Father God, that's a big prayer to pray, that our hearts would be open and that we would see you. Father God, we thank you for the promise of your word, that, uh, that you will speak to us this morning. And we pray that we would be good listeners and hear your word to us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I must confess when I begin by saying that um, much of what I'm speaking this morning I've actually spoken in a classroom environment over the last few months. And so in some ways what the Lord is bringing to us this morning has been on my mind, on my heart, something that I've been kind of um, brewing for, for some time which is quite rare for a sermon because often when you're preaching week in, week out, you move from one sermon to the next. But, you know, this is the first time I've preached, or maybe once since I left Hook back at the end of uh, August. So this has really been brewing. So no pressure, but hopefully this will be a good sermon. I'm joking. Um, So um, first of all, um, if we turn to this passage, which is found on page 970. So it's Matthew chapter 6, uh, beginning at verse 5. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. And I've called this sermon an audience of one. So notice how this part of this sermon begins, that Jesus actually preaches. This is part of quite a long sermon, um, this section on prayer. The first words were, When you pray, verse 5, when you pray. Jesus, of course, is speaking to the masses on the the Sermon on the Mount. But this idea of prayer is not uh, unknown and experienced by most people, is it, in our society today. So Muslims, they will have a special posture. They'll generally pray five times a day. We know of folk that go on pilgrimages to lords. Um, You'll get prayer, for instance, at the opening of Parliament. Um, I noticed yesterday, for instance, watching the rugby, um, that uh, there were certain players that prayed before playing. I don't think any of them were Welsh, because they lost. Anyway, um, (laughs) and obviously, um, in our kind of uh, world and our society today, People pray, they might label it as mindfulness, but there's all kinds of ways that people will pray. And when we think of prayer, it reminds me of a student, a GCSE student, that prayed, Father God, may Alaska be part of Switzerland as they wrote their GCSE exam. That was me, by the way. I didn't do very well in geography at GCSE. Alaska's not in not, not there, by the way. You can find out later where it is. So, what is distinctively Christian when we pray? What is distinctively Christian when we pray? And how are we to pray? That's the kind of where we're going this morning. What makes this prayer that Jesus taught us so helpful as it shows us how not to pray, but also how to pray? And the key... Is who we are addressing. The key is knowing God as Father. 
as knowing God as Father. So if you look down in that passage, you will see God as Father described in verse 6, verse 9, and verse 14. And the key to Christian prayer is talking to our Heavenly Father who loves us. We are speaking to our Father, our Heavenly Father. And so can I just uh, encourage you and also um, just remind you, if there's nothing else that you remember this morning, prayer is talking to your loving Heavenly Father. This is key to our prayer life. Before we look at the key to our prayer life, let's look at how not to pray. And we're told how not to pray by Jesus in verse 5 and verse 7. Verse 5, don't be like the hypocrites. And verse 7, don't be like the pagans. So there's two ways on how not to pray. So look down, first of all, the hypocrites, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So first of all, let's not be like the hypocrite. The hypocrite who, whose motivation for, for prayer is to have a good reputation. For a hypocrite, God is irrelevant. This is a reason for a lot of religion. It's about showing off and for the, for the spotlight to be on the individual. Jesus had said prior to this, a few verses earlier in verse 1, beware of showing off, for instance, when you give. Be careful, verse 1, not to practice your righteousness in front of, of, of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And then obviously he's speaking about those who are giving to the needy. And it's not about the needy. It's not about the right response to God in giving. But it's about them. What does it say? There's a trumpet to bring attention to the giver. It's a little bit like the charity check, the great big charity check that you see sometimes paraded and seen in newspapers as companies and individuals give to a particular cause. Is it about giving to that cause or is it about the company, I wonder, and the person that's giving? Look how generous I am, you may think. And uh, for instance, as I go around the school, certainly some schools rather than others, you see a new building. And on that new building, you'll see a list of donors, a list of givers who give to that building. And it's the same for prayer, verse 5. Why are the hypocrites praying? It's not for God, but it's for others to see them. So for instance, a hypocrite, someone that's two-faced, will um, stand on the street corner. Why do they stand on the street corner? Double the audience. You know, if you want to be seen, you can stand on the corner of Brook Road 
And people on Brook Road, not that there's many people on Brook Road, but you could stand on Brook Road and people on Brook Road could see you. And if you stand on the corner, the people on the Hook Road would see you as well. You are maximizing your visibility. And this is what the hypocrite would do. They would stand on the street corners to maximize their visibility and therefore their audience. It's all about them. It's all about making themselves look, look good. Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite. It's all about, verse 8, secrecy. Why secrecy? Well, this solves the problem of hypocrisy. Notice how the hypocrite is all about being to be seen by everyone, whereas secrecy is about just being alone with your heavenly Father. See, if you believe that prayer is about meeting God and not others seeing you and seeing how, how holy you are, you will pray to the audience of one. Now, some, I don't want this to be, this is okay then for me to miss the prayer meeting. Okay, I'm not saying that at all. Okay, but if your motive for coming to the prayer meeting is for others to see how holy you are and to see how eloquent and how amazing your prayers are, there is something wrong. You come to the prayer meeting primarily to meet with God. God is our primary relationship in faith. And also, that's why the quiet time is so important. It's not called the public time, is it? When we meet with God, it's alone with our Heavenly Father. It might be before everyone else in the house is up. It may be a 10 minutes quiet when no one else is in the house. But the key is it's secret. The key is it's not for others, but it's ultimately that secret intimacy relationship with your heavenly father. So, how not to pray? Don't be like the hypocrite. But also, don't be like, the second point in that one, don't be like the pagan or the Gentile, people who don't know God. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. You see, a pagan's answer depends on their technique as they coerce God as they think that they pray the right way, with the right words, that they have, maybe if they're loud, that God will hear them, or if they use uh, the right terminology, or the right language, or the right pose. They think that prayer, and therefore success, is based on the right method, but this is totally wrong. Why? Because God knows what we need. He's calling and longing for us to have this audience of one. Remember, prayer is about meeting your heavenly Father. He loves you. He cares for you. Now, um, I know, I, again, I refer to the prayer meeting. When I was younger, I used to get really intimidated by going to a prayer meeting. I'm thinking, Lord, I can't pray like Norman. Lord, I can't pray like Eric. I just don't have their vocabulary. 
I just don't have those words that uh, they would say. But it's not about that. It's about you meeting with your heavenly father and speaking with your heavenly father in a way that you would speak to your earthly father. So it's not just about, so let's consider the words, but also the place. The place is irrelevant as well. You don't have to come into what the world would see as a religious building. You don't need to go on a pilgrimage, go into Lourdes or to Jerusalem. It's irrelevant. This is what the pagans do. Beware of gimmicks as well. Don't think that you have to pray with a right kind of tone. Now, I've been to prayer meetings where someone normally speaks like Coronation Street, but when they get into the prayer meeting, they sound more like Downton Abbey. <laughs> what is that all about? Let's be real. Let's be real when we pray. Remember, we have a father. But verse 8, he knows what we need. But he longs for his children to speak, to share their hearts with him. It's not about a technique. It's not about praying specific prayers at a particular time. It's not about going to a particular place. It's not full of gimmicks. It's not about the language you use. Just remember, it's his time. It's quality time. It's a quiet time. It's not a technique. Don't be like a hypocrite who want the audience. Don't be like the pagan who are looking at techniques. So we move from how not to pray to how to pray. Third point, how to pray. And he gives us, the Lord Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. He gives us the Lord's Prayer, which can be described as a pattern prayer. A pattern prayer that helps us as a model or a shape of what we pray to our Heavenly Father. Now, it's like again, it's not about a technique or, or, or a gimmick, but this is helpful in structuring how we pray. It's a model or a shape of one's Christian prayer. So verse 9, Jesus says, and then this is how you should pray. I suppose you could put this as a heading. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So first of all, as we pray to our heavenly Father, we, re we remind ourselves of who we are praying to. Yes, our heavenly Father in heaven there is both an intimacy, but also there is a distance. He is close and yet far. He is, in theological language, imminent, near, and he's transcendent. He's far away. There is a, both a balancer. He is in heaven, and his name is to be hallowed. He's special, but he's also close. He is your father. It's good to remind ourselves who we are praying to. Always begin your prayers knowing that you have a father. Like no earthly father with their failings, but the perfect heavenly father. So remind yourselves before you burst into what maybe your needs are of the God 
that you are coming to. A God who longs for that intimate relationship. A God who is like no other. Maybe consider when you begin your prayers about the creator God or the just God. Maybe a characteristic of the God that you're speaking to. And then we move on. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So the first priority is God's priority of what he wants in the world, not what we want in the world. It's a good discipline, isn't it? It's a good discipline. And Jesus shows us how to pray. Automatically, we want to pray the needs of others or maybe our own needs, if we're honest. But let's begin with God's agenda. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God's priority. It's his kingdom. We, we long for more folk to know about his kingdom. And we want, and this is why Alpha is, is so important. We want um, men and women and young people to make Jesus their king. To make him their Lord. This is what we pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And so we are praying as we pray your will be done. That we will submit to his will. And Jesus, again, he is the master of this, isn't he? He certainly practices what he preaches. As Jesus was there in the garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified prior to the cross. He, what did he say? I would love this cup to be taken away from me. But then he says... Not my will, but your will. It's not about getting God to do our wishes. We're not, and we pray, we are not praying like that genie in a bottle. God doesn't say, your wish is my command. He says, my command should be your wish. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And then... It turns uh, and then it flows into some very practical things. Give us today our daily bread. Daily bread. Give us today the, the things that we need. The things that keep us going. The things that uh, are important to us. Then uh, day, uh, bread often would be one day's wage. One, day, one day's work for a loaf of bread. No work, no money. But we can pray, can't we? We can pray for safety. We can pray for those things we really need. God is concerned about our lives. God is concerned about those things that worry us, those things that we, we are, are kind of full of when we take our eyes off Jesus. Again, I could have given you an illustration, but let's look at what Jesus says later on in this chapter. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more important and more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, Add a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about your clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, notice that, the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, again, referencing what he taught them about God's kingdom and the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, remember, your will be done. And his righteousness and all these things will be given you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. It's true, isn't it? The birds know. The birds have got it right. The prayer. Give us today our daily bread. So brothers and sisters, I don't want to be flippant like that song by Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy. But there is truth in that, isn't it? Finally, in this prayer, Jesus speaks about our spiritual needs and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is the last part of the prayer. When you have messed up, it begins with this. But here it ends with this. It's quite interesting, isn't it? The Christians feel that they've got to spend half of their prayer time confessing to God. As if that's kind of the, the passport then for him to love them or for them to hear them. Notice in the pattern of this prayer, there is confession. There is a sense of us recognizing our wrong. But it doesn't start with that. I wonder why. He's your father. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. Your confession does not make or change your relationship with your heavenly father. There's a lesson, isn't it? There's a lesson. See, sin may have disappointed God. But if you are a Christian this morning, it doesn't change your standing or relationship with God. It's not like God is going, oh, hello, Tim. Let's hear the things you've done wrong. I need to know them. He knows them. We confess because it reminds us that we need a savior. And we've been put right by Jesus. It's not like confession makes God kind of talk to us. There's a reason why this prayer is structured in this way and then he speaks about uh, being led into temptation but deliver us from the evil one it's a real prayer the lord jesus was tempted but deliver us from the evil one jesus is aware of our weakness those things that we're tempted by and those things that we're tempted with 
So we pray, don't we, as we pray this heavenly prayer, this Lord's Prayer, that he would give us protection. And then lastly, Jesus emphasizes the importance of forgiving others, indicating that there is a direct relationship between having been forgiven by God and the forgiveness that we must extend to others. I was just in Alpha this week, and one of the gentlemen spoke about resentment and how that messes you up. Well, let's forgive as we know that we've been forgiven by our Heavenly Father. So, in conclusion, find a secret place. Don't make it about techniques. Use the Lord's Prayer as a pattern. It's not a gimmick. Use it maybe with those headings as we remind ourselves who God is. As we consider his agenda, his kingdom, that we do pray practical prayers, our daily bread. We pray those ordinary things about our day, that we ask for forgiveness, yes. And we pray for protection. Let me pray now. Father God, thank you for your word that's so practical. It's lasted all these years and we haven't changed you certainly haven't changed. We haven't changed in the sense of we need you, we need our saviour, but also we need to be reminded that we have a heavenly father who longs for us to speak to him in secret. Forgive us, Father, for the times when we can be like those hypocrites that we want to be seen. Forgive us, Father, for the times when we think it's about performance and about gimmicks. And Father, may we use your prayer as a template, as a way of coming to you, that we begin with Father. And we will remind ourselves that he is like no other Father. Uh, we thank you for that this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at each other and say the words of the grace together. May the Lord, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit Remain with us all evermore. Amen.